0: This is exactly right. And a one, two, three. That felt good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was chunky. Felt right. <laughs> My favorite murder. That's Georgia Hardstart. That's Karen Kilgariff. We are here with you on Thursday, November 5th. That's
1: right. 2020. That's right. What a week. it And what a week it's been.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> so much crazy stuff, guys. Yeah.
1: It's currently right now
0: as we're speaking Wednesday evening. Yes. So <sighs> uh, things are still up in the air. Right. Uh, Nothing has been announced officially. There's lots of reason to have good feelings, but God forbid we have good feelings. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have good feelings
1: yet, but I'm I'm there. Everyone I know and love is having good feelings. And so I'm going to trust you guys.
0: But hey, you're right. To fear good feelings because we haven't had them in a long time and we all have PTSD from 2016. That's, that's right. right. So nothing. Uh, this is also similar. Yeah. That it can't feel good. No. Right. At the moment. And even but, if it does feel good, the
1: The whole narrative that we're learning this week is that it is as bad as it seemed the last four years That's right. It's still a negative positive.
0: Sure. There's no there's no only positive after an experience like the one we've had with this leadership. But the fact that at nine o'clock last night, looking at Twitter, it was a very different story. Oh, I didn't do That's happening today. (laughs) Oh, it was insanity. So, yeah, I think I did it. In a way that scared me into then this morning waking up and going, oh, all is not lost. Oh, wait a second. Quite the opposite. Yeah. So we just need it to be official and uh, we need responsible parties to come out and say, um, stop trying to create violence yeah. and negativity. Yeah. I was, I had a
1: therapy appointment today and I was, t- I had a realization that I get along really well with my mom when there's a democratic president. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized like, oh yeah, the Obama years, I could just laugh her off, laugh all the shit she said to me off. Yeah. Like, oh mom, you know what I mean? But then yeah. in the last four years, I've, every time she brings something up, it triggers something from my childhood. Sure. So... When we go to this mediator slash therapist in two weeks, I feel like maybe I'll be in a better place to like be open to her.
0: That's the dream. It is. Yeah. Cause it's a, the balance of power shifting or exactly. the reality, you know, we have right. spend time in the, another reality. Right. It, it, it takes away her, some of her power
1: over my. Mm. Emotions and feelings and
0: that'll be nice. And, and high time. And it's high time that happens. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. Enough
1: already. Amen. Enough already. That's right. Um, what are you doing to distract yourself this week from?
0: Oh, you know, just a ton of podcasting. I don't, I don't understand how I'm still podcasting. I have, I don't, Steven is there with me every time I do it. I have nothing to say anymore. I can't, it's literally like, do you want me to describe how I made toast this morning? Cause that's fucking, it's just unbelievable that through all of this, we've just continued podcasting. It is weird.
1: It is weird. Like all we have to talk about and everyone's like, all we have to talk about are what TV shows we're watching to distract ourselves from the end of the fucking world,
0: or, or like, uh, I got to see someone face to face, right? <laughs> like, and here's the candy like I'm binging on right now. For real, <laughs> I had I actually had to go throw out a bag of um the nerds ropes. Oh, bites skins? or whatever those nerds things were. <laughs> yeah. There was a different version of yes. them that people kept recommending, Rope so bites. I saw. Them. Yeah, they're like like this version. Yeah. Much actually easier to eat as opposed to the rope that where the nerds yes. get everywhere. I actually was like, Oh, I could handle that, but I don't need it in my house. No, no, I had uh, several handfuls and then stood up and walked to the garbage yeah. can, threw them away and said, Stop <laughs> pretending you can just fucking eat candy. Like enough already with this fucking behavior. I'm doing that, but with alcohol. Yeah, how's it going? It's going well actually.
1: This time totally feels it feels a little different. Like I'm not doing it because I'm not doing it for like 30 days and I'm not doing it to like lose weight. I'm doing it because suddenly I realize I I'm not having fun anymore. And I'm yeah. not it's not actually giving me anything and I'm not enjoying it at all. So it to, it feels like a little shifty, a little different. Sure. Like suddenly I'm I'm ready to deal with the anxiety that I've been pouring alcohol on for 20 years, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's because I have a really great therapist right now. uh, Yep. And I'm seeing her twice a week, but there's something, it's something that feels a little different this time.
0: That's good. And you have security in your life and you have other things to worry about. Right. You like, you have bigger things. uh, And maybe not, maybe you can just update the story, which is, I'm not. I wish I could do the same for myself. But uh, that whole idea, this is what my therapist always says, is we had something happen to us usually around like 12, 13, mm-hmm. and then your like limbic system or whatever, whichever one it's called, like your re- reactive system kind of stops taking in information after mm. that. And they're like, yeah, I've already seen this. I'm not fucking doing it again. And she always says that to me. She's like, the worst thing already happened. This is all just kind of like reacting to the memory of what happened. And, and so, yeah. The more oh, we think about that, rough year. horrifying. I mean, horrifying. <laughs> N- un- you should get to skip it. It's such a terrible uh, age. I but. was in
1: rehab in, at thirteen. Yeah, so everything you was went fine. for it. You went for <laughs> I it. I was like, you let's clear this up. The worst year <laughs> possible. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but I am and I'm journaling about it now, which Ooh. is actually really helpful. And I'm doing that. So I want to recommend if anyone else is trying it, which we all are at some point. Right. So like sure. aside from the stuff I was reading before, uh, when I tried this, you know, last year, the beginning of this year, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, I'm listening to. And then I found a new um, book. I, it's called um, Quit Lit. I didn't r- know that was a thing. Well, like people. I've like, never heard of that. I hadn't either. Like, you know, all the sobriety books I read that are like, here's how to do it. And here's what worked for me. And here I'm a woman and we can do it. It's called yeah. Quit Lit, which I oh, it is. love.
0: <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs>
1: Uh. So here's my new quitlet suggestion. Um, it's called Mrs. D is going without and it originally was an anonymous blog way back when blogs existed by this woman in New Zealand. And um, her name, her name is Lada Dan, and she is I'm identifying with her so much. And it's just a really light, easy read about how fucking hard it is to become sober when you even though you know you need to. So I'm enjoying that. Right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, f- other people's
0: stories, that's kind of the key. Right. Knowing that that it isn't special to you. You're not the only, not only are you not the only one, it's very typical. Yeah. It's a, it tons of people deal with substance issues. Yeah. T- everybody does in some way or the yeah. other.
1: Yeah. So it, we all deal with soothing our, soothing our trauma in some way or another. Yeah. Ideally with therapy and learning, you know, really, truly how to cope with it. But that, doesn't yeah. usually happen. And it takes a long time to get there.
0: Well, and also with some, we'll pick things up and put them back down and it, you get it, you go in and you go out yeah. of it. And then you, there's a drama within doing that. And that's all part of it. And if you can kind of pull back and see that that's all part of it, and it's not like, oh, I failed again, but it's like, everybody fails again and again and again, mm-hmm. and then tries again. And the whole point is building your resilience to keep trying and to kind of keep open. I think that's, just it. You just don't, it's never the final chapter. You yeah. just get to keep
1: trying. That's right. That's, yeah. It feels at 40 suddenly like crazy that I'm just now ready to, to not obsess about when I get a drink again or drinking or that I have a hangover or that I feel like shit. And like this, this whole, um, pattern that I've been doing, I'm suddenly ready to not, to not distract myself with that anymore. Sure. At fucking 40. It's like, it just seems, wild. But it took, you know, that's how long it takes. I'm sure it'll happen again. Whatever.
0: It's always something. Because literally, this, it reminds me of when I uh, was in my 20s. And my great idea for my um, eating disorder was I was going to take, I took um, fen-fen. Yeah. But, but without the downer fen, it just was the it was the first version. So it was uppers only. I... And so I stopped eating almost entirely didn't care about food, never thought about it lost a ton of weight very fast. And started obsessively compulsively shopping Mm. where I literally went to the Beverly Center every single day and had my closet looked like a little mini gap. It just had stacks of color coded shirts. It was it was pure insanity. And that's when I saw that it was like, oh, it's not about the thing I'm doing. Right. You couldn't you didn't have to eat your fucking
1: stress away anymore. You needed something else. So shopping. Yep.
0: It's it. something will replace it and it's just about the you because you have to dig down further it's not just the thing yeah it's what's underneath it and like sitting with it
1: so my and, my therapist told me this really great analogy I think it is where it's like Okay, there's a tiger in a cage, and the tiger's pacing back and forth in this little cage its whole life, but it's a comfort. And then suddenly it gets put out into this big field and gets taken out of the cage, but it continues to pace back and forth in the same area the cage would have been. Wait, because yep. that's what it knows. That's what's always worked. That's what's safe. And uh, that's the only way it knows how to deal with life. And you can't realize you have this... Big open expanse of other possibilities Yep I think that's right
0: <laughs> well, Yeah, it, sound, it sounds right on I mean, it makes sense to me It also makes me think of how When I stopped drinking After I was hospitalized for it mm-hmm. Hey, at least you didn't get Fucking hospitalized At <laughs> county hospital for it um, Hey Hey, rehab at 13 Let me just remember Hey, <laughs> look We've been champions in our own ways That's right This whole time That's right uh, But when I when all the alcohol was finally out of my system and I was home for a couple of days, I had that dream where I was standing like on a prairie with tall grass, like up to my hips, uh-huh. green grass, and this wind was blowing and I could see all the way up and all the way to either side. Like I was a crazy, like a fly with like crazy vision, uh-huh. complete peripheral. And it was like 360 vision or 180 vision. Instead of this tunnel that you've been... Looking into your, for so it long. It was so moving Ugh. and so like, I, I was just kind of in the dream going, Oh, oh I get it. Like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for being so on the nose brain. But it, it is, it reminds me of that tiger story. Cause it is that thing where it's like, yeah, you don't have to just go in circles anymore, yeah. which can be just as intimidating yeah. and just as fraught. And you know, there's freedom is scary too. Yeah. Learning how to pace the cage
1: as a young person worked for you. And so you've been, you keep doing it even though the cage is gone because
0: you haven't yet learned that you're free and how to, and because if you have these coping mechanisms that go four feet by four feet by four feet, you're not going to be like, watch me while I fucking take off into the woods. (laughs) Like you never learned how to take off into the woods. No, that's all new. It's like, you got to give yourself, you know, let yourself adapt and adjust and fall down and get up I feel like the two two therapy sessions a week is
1: really is really helping me with that yeah finally it's
0: good after fucking
1: a decade of therapy like it's just crazy how that works you know
0: yeah but then it's good then like I love the (laughs) when when I suggested to my therapist I was like should we go to three days a week and she's like <laughs> I don't see why not you have the money and I was like you're right yeah what else are you gonna fucking spend it on nerd ropes that's not doing anything for I you. gotta stop spending it on nerd. <laughs> right. yeah please stop sending me suggestions of nerd things Oh yeah. I don't want to eat that shit anymore because also it I realize like pacing the cage eating a bunch of sugar and then laying on the couch and panicking <gasps> is a vibe it is like a choice and a feeling that I don't have to be in yeah. anymore and you are You are you are like triggering
1: emotional reactions with sugar. Sugar does that to you and your hormones and your
0: sugar is the fucking worst. It's bad for you. It has to get eventually someone has to figure out once we're going to do the covid vaccine first, then can we please have a sugar vaccine? Yeah. Because those people that are like, I'm not that into dessert. I'm like, what what part of the world is your family from? I I need to get your jeans. Truly, I have two unopened bags
1: somehow of fucking Mint Milano's in my house because (laughs) I just can't not have them like constantly. Mm -hmm. Need. I need it. I know. Uh, I know. Oh, should we talk about the Queen's Gambit that we both found out that we're yes, in love we on Netflix? God.
0: So good! How did you find it? Because someone tagged me in it and I didn't know I- what it was someone on twitter was talking about it i think it was james Urbaniak or uh somebody who i i like their taste and yeah. think they're smart and they it, they basically were like wow i'm surprised i didn't even know what this was and all of a sudden i stumbled upon it and it's such such a delight so i kind of had bookmarked it and then uh, yeah, and and the second it started, I was just like the visuals, In. the storyline, ah. the fucking everything. So
1: good, it's so good. So basically, I wrote down that it's um it's like Amelie meets what was that Torig movie where he's super the what sp- movie the t- um about
0: Torig wait Torig the Volkswagen no. van again
1: <laughs> no wait touring <laughs> the touring. SUV by Vo- <laughs> What, the guy who Turing? solved who solved the puzzles in World War Two. Oh, Alan Turing. <laughs> <laughs> what was that movie called? Turing. Uh,
2: the like, *Imitation Game*.
1: *Imitation*. Thank you. Was Stephen. that it? Thank you. Okay, so it's like yes. Amelie meets *The Imitation Game*. Don't you think? A little? Sure.
0: Yes. Totally.
1: Yes. Why not? And the word uh, cocksucker gets bandied about a lot in the first
0: episode by children, oh. which I
1: really appreciated.
0: And there's ch- children on pills. Yeah. No spoilers. But it's, yeah, it's, it is absolutely where it, the only thing is, it's a, it's just a fictionalized story. It's from a book, um, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. I looked it up. Yeah. Um, it's from a book. I wanted that person that character to be real so badly but of course because it's a perfectly written character with a perfect background and the yeah. whole storyline is just so compelling that yeah also how about the hotel in russia i was just like i want to walk around that hotel so
1: bad i did you but i haven't gotten there yet i've only gotten through episode one was really long i got through that and now i'm starting episode two but i i'm excited about it
0: it's good it's a delight
1: the it whole is. way through
0: doesn't disappoint all oh, those actors are so goddamn oh, good so good the little baby boy from, a, um, from Love Actually, who oh, plays I in have the band. Yet. Yes. Uh, who I thought he's, was David
1: Spade when I first saw him in the trailer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's D- David Spade's illegitimate child. Yeah. He's, he's the so cutest. Cute. That's cl- he's it's such the, a good actor. Yeah, he
1: is. The Queen's Gambit. It's, and Queen is like chess. It's not like the Queen. So, right. So I saw yeah. someone say like, I don't want to watch it Because I'm sick of British Royalty stuff And it's like No, no, no <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's about <Mine>. chess <laughs> Fine Get out then Then get out and and Take also, your opinion with you It makes me feel really stupid Because I don't know how to play chess Do you know how to play chess? You know what's funny as, uh, as I was watching it I had a recovered memory In grammar school I did play chess Oh And there was a, Like a chess We got to go to One of the Mobile home buildings That was like yeah. The outbuilding out On our, our grammar school platform property, Wilson School. What up, <laughs> Wilson Wildcats? What up? Um, <laughs> but uh, we got to go out there. And this there, we had a really smart, genius chess teacher. And we would just all sit there and play chess all the time. But it wasn't like how they were doing it. where yeah. We knew it. We didn't know. uh Ways of play and whole systems yeah, and you names a savant, of anything. A legitimate fictional <laughs> savant. But I was kind of. I mean, we don't know whether or not I was. <laughs> you could have been in the right in the right situation. You may, even if I were, were, no one was paying attention. Right. To be even right. my, if I, I would be like, can I go to this chess tournament? And my dad would be like, I'm not driving you there. I'm not driving all the way to Nevada. Who <laughs> wants to but, watch chess? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was kind of funny because I was like, "This is so interesting." And then I was like, "Wait a second! I used to, yeah. I used to love chess, but I didn't. Good. I don't have a memory of the con uh, of the concept of the game, except for like one of them could move in like an upside down L shape. Yeah. That's kind of all I can remember. It's yeah. hard. I never it's got. For-
1: I never got past checkers.
0: Checkers is very complex when you think about it. Getting to double up on things. Oh, sure.
1: Sure, sure. Sure,
0: sure. Um, what else? I, are you
1: watching doing eating? I
0: I escaped into uh, last night. I basically was like, stay off Twitter, stay off social media. You have to, you have to give yourself over to the question mark of this situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. So I turned on. One of my BBC uh, series, oh, um, Martin Cheslewet, which is a a Charles Dickens series. Oh, that's comforting. BBC series. That's comforting. Uh, Tom Wilkinson is one of the leads who is just the most delightful British actor Mm. that's been in a million things and won in a million awards. And you know who he is. Yeah. Um, But it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, I need... Uh, something completely removed from modern life, to yeah, Right now, like and it worked. And then I went to sleep. Angora sweater of people talking like this yeah. to each other, and, da, 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 and then some horses without
1: and animal cruelty carriages, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, that sounds nice. No,
0: yeah, it was good.
1: So for exactly right news, we're really excited because at the end of this episode, you're gonna be able to hear the brand new trailer for our brand new exactly right podcast called Tenfold More Wicked that we told you about. It's
0: hosted by crime journalist and author Kate Winkler Dawson, who, um, she's, she's written some of your favorite. True crime books My favorite recently Is the book American Sherlock Which is an incredible If you haven't read it It's unbelievable It's basically You know It's about one of the first Forensic science Scientists in America So Kate is the host Of this podcast And she basically Takes all of her Journalistic And uh, author Knowledge And intelligence Essentially Mm -hmm. And she digs Into the story Of uh, One of the first Serial killers in America. And it is. And, and there's a whole kind of like side story about neuroscience. It's just a fascinating historical true crime series that she's hosting that we really think you're going to love. Definitely. It comes out on Monday, November 23rd.
1: So be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and stay tuned at the end of this episode to listen to the trailer. It's really an awesome podcast. So good. So proud. So proud. So proud. Our so little proud. our little fledgling network is becoming this like, you know, it's growing into a adolescent. It's, you know, it's becoming yes. it's becoming its own person
0: and like learning and growing and like and making friends with really smart people who right. make their own podcast really well yeah. <laughs> and make make really good stuff. Yeah. That, they want to come to our party. It's, it's the best. It's, um, it's really good. Yeah. And thanks for supporting us, you guys. It's all because
1: we have the best freaking listeners.
0: Yes, absolutely. We think of you when we're trying to pick these podcasts and what you might like and what might, uh, serve you in your day-to-day lives. And there's many more to come that we're very excited about.
1: I can't believe it I'm so I wrote down today Like on a forum That like It was like What do you do And I'm like Podcaster, writer And business owner I'm a fucking We're business owners How cool Mm -hmm. is that I mean, it's all right I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Business owners who, as of this weekend Won't have an office anymore Which
0: is so sad I know, we had to give up our, our lease on our office We had basically rented an empty office yeah. For the past six months or whatever But I know, I know It's such a weird time You know, and... uh It's such a weird time. It's nice that we can all kind of go through it together and distract ourselves with podcasts and television, things that we like and whatever and... And also, you know, feel connected yeah. to each other.
1: And one of those ways that we're doing that is by and and maintaining our sanity is by putting up a quilt episode this week. Karen That's and right. I both picked one of our favorite stories that we've ever done. Um, and so we're going to post those. They've never they've never been in an episode together. And they're not live. They're, you know, older episodes that we love, older stories that we love
0: right and that we and that you've told us you love so it's um it's um yeah we're doing this is kind of like the eagles greatest hits um just because this week was has been incredibly stressful as is mm-hmm. as, as has been for everybody so um we weren't going to be doing this usual homework. We're trying to take it easy a little bit and then be like, okay, well, we can at least, we'll hang out, we'll check in, yeah. and then we'll play some stories that people, we know people like so that we don't all go crazy. Cause I, I'm having a hard time unclenching my teeth. Oh, yeah. um, much, much less sitting down and writing a six page book report. Oh, totally. So. Six pages.
1: <laughs> I laugh in the face of six pages. It's, they're never six pages.
0: No, it's they're like, supposed to be. They're supposed to be. There was a time when they were four, three to four, and it <laughs> was like K-bye, K, right. K bye, peace, peace in the streets, but no longer. No, nine no. at least. N- minimum. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back.
1: I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone,
0: but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound Visit MadeIncookware.com. That's M A D E I N Cookware.com. Goodbye. Oh, all right. So, should we? Uh, mine's going first yeah. this week. So, I'll introduce that. Um, so, I'm going to take you back, dear listener, all the way back to May 27th of 2016. Oh, so May of 2016 when we were so young and innocent and stupid. Believed, <laughs> believed in the world. Oh um, God, take me back. I mean, t- let's go back now. Let's just let's just do it mentally. Have a fun mm. mental exercise of going back to George's old apartment with no air conditioning. That's right. If it was May 27th, it would have already started to get very hot. That's right. 2016. I had think I probably had minimum two jobs at the time. <laughs> um this never... and I had just gotten married. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. That's a nice yeah. thing. Yeah, and you know we were just. We are just slowly putting this thing together and Georgia Every once in a while would show me uh, Some good positive thing on her phone And then I go that's done. Don't get used to it I'd show
1: you the numbers and or like where we are On the on the comedy chart and you'd be like shut the Fuck like, up. It's not to real. Get it
0: away from me I don't <laughs> believe in anything Um That's my beautiful journey from from show business cynic to a wide eyed believer in the in the possibility of magic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So anyway, this is from episode
1: eighteen. Oh my god! God. (laughs) Investigation eighteen discovery. What do we call it?
0: Investigation. Investigate Teen in, Discovery Investigate Teen Discovery Who knows Back when we would do that Not only the extra work Of trying to make One of those good pun titles But I also had people um, I'll never forget my friend Owen Ellickson Who I worked with um, He was the showrunner On a show I was writing on And he wrote in to me For one of them That was so good And it was like We needed the help Where I'm like We can't keep doing this Yeah If we have to rely on Outside sources Yeah We start We just
1: We <laughs> drop that like naming naming podcasts after the number pretty quickly
0: but yeah we had to yeah because that was like work. we there was so much work anyway yeah investigate discovery so this is actually a story that uh last summer we did some compilations of like your guys's favorites uh favorite shows and this sto- is a story of mine from uh your favorite show and it's the Unbelievable and amazing survival story of Mary Vincent. So here's 2016 me telling 2016 Georgia in 2016 Georgia apartment about this (laughs) nightmare story. Should we get into the murder?
1: Favorite murder? Oh, sorry. I don't know how to sing as I (laughs) mentioned earlier. They didn't know that was. Oh, Oh, here we go. Guys here we go i'm going first this week i think you're first i think i am i'm gonna get cuddled in yeah i'm gonna have this half a glass of whiskey drink some of your drink. whiskey i
0: wish i could i drank all mine already <laughs>
1: before Uh-oh. you were 30. it was up
0: yeah in 1997 i had my last
1: <laughs> shit <laughs> god i was good at it my therapist told me that we're doing an experiment where i'm drinking two glasses of booze a day just to see how it goes so i'm allowed to have two glasses of booze a day oh no more no less yeah we're just like seeing how this goes so it's almost like (laughs) what if you don't feel like it (laughs) oh no then i still have to force it down yeah and this is clearly like this was two glasses of whiskey and
0: one big cup oh that's fun does that count as one it does to me if, and there you go if I was your therapist hell yeah girl <laughs> um I had this realization uh when I was trying to think of this week's there's so many good cases mm. and there's so many people who are very passionate about the cases that are their stories or just ones they like or think are fascinating um there was a guy that tweeted me a case. His at his Twitter handle was at Arkansawyer. So it was almost like Arkansas lawyer. And it was a case of a guy. I think his name was Bobby Lee Foster or Bobby Joe Foster who killed his own mother, Edna and decapitated her and put the head in the local church and then took the eyes and mailed them to Eisenhower. <laughs> it, what it, in the actual fuck? Yeah, it was crazy, but, um, uh, so I was kind of into that. Thank you for sending that. I love it. I mean, you know, but I had a realization that when we were talking about our kickoff murders, um, the ones that got us kind of into it, I realized that factually and date wise, I had an earlier one than Diane Downs. And it, it, because it happened in the Bay Area, um, and it's this Lawrence Singleton attack on Mary Vincent, uh, and later murder of, um, so, well, I'll just tell you about yeah. it. Um, let's, let's unpack. Let's unpack this. It happened in 1978. So I was eight years old. And this was on the news. It was like in 1979 is when he went to trial and all this stuff happened. And it was on the news every night. My parents were livid. They talked about it all the time. So you must have just been you were there too. Yes, because it was we watched the news together as a family every night <sighs> before dinner. I feel like there's nothing more harmful
1: for a kid than I, yeah, the Yeah, no news. one knew.
0: I know. It was back, this was the late 70s where no one knew what was good or bad for children. Totally. It was all just like eat your cereal, go outside, try to survive, come home, and then we'll watch the news together. It
1: was a generation away from children. After children being coal miners. Yes, <laughs> you know?
0: Exactly. It was like. It was that weird time in between coal mining and children being carried their entire lives until they get to college. Right. Essentially. So I'm the last of the last of that generation. I lived. So. Here's the story. On September 29th, 1978, a man named Lawrence Singleton, who was a merchant seaman, always a bad job, Dude. that Richard Speck was a merchant seaman. Oh, really? Yeah. There, It's bad news. I think it's what happens when you're like super fucked up, and but you're so fucked up, you don't want to join the army. right? So you're like, oh, I'll go out on a ship for a while with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Um. So he picked up a 15-year-old hitchhiker named Mary Vincent in Berkeley, California. Honey. Mary had run away from home. Uh, she lived in Las Vegas. Her parents were getting divorced. It was all fucked up. And she had friends in the Bay Area and relatives. So she um, made her way up to the Bay Area. But she was homesick and she'd been on her own for a while. She had a boyfriend that was bad to her. She she left him, ran away. She just wanted to get back home. Sweetie. So she um, is hitchhiking in Berkeley. And a van pulls up. And there are two people hitchhiking behind her. Now, just so you know, there's Mary Vincent herself tells this story on an episode of I Survived. It was season four, episode one. Wow! And it is epic. I know you don't like survivors. I fucking love survivors and things like this, where you get the firsthand account of something. This story is also insanely fucked up.
1: I guess if there, if she's, it's been that long.
0: I can yes. deal with it. Right, and she's in. It's when they can tell their own story. They're not, you yeah. know, that, that they're able. They're in charge of this narrative, and they can tell you what happened. And yeah.
1: yeah, and like when it's a grizzled fucking bartender, like cafe waitress, and she's like, "This, this is what fucking happened to me. I can deal with it." But when it's like some like college girl whose life no. is ruined.
0: No, you well, because here's the thing: the saddest part about it, but the truest part about it is it happens to a lot of people. Yes. So when you have one woman sitting there going, here's what happened to me, A, B, C, and D, you not only get the don't fucking hitchhike, keep your eyes open, pick up on context clues, you have all that, but you also have survive yep. and you can survive and you can't come out the other end right. and help other people.
1: And it's okay to, it's okay to tell your story. Like you
0: don't have to keep this huge secret. There's other people who have been through similar or worse. Yeah. And, and you have to tell your story. Yeah. It's part, that's part of healing. Right. So, so a lot of what I have here is basically her firsthand account. Holy shit. So the van pulls up and there's two hitchhikers behind her in Berkeley, 78. Uh, and the guy that's driving the van says he only has room for one person and says it's Mary. Well, the two hitchhikers behind her go, don't get in that van because they can see into the back of the van. The whole thing's empty. There's plenty of room. But if a person's right. saying he only has room for the young girl, they go, don't take that ride. But she was so tired. She just wanted to get home. So she was like, and he looked like a grandfather. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. He's this big pot-bellied kind of grizzly old guy. He was like in his uh, mid-60s at the time. So she's like, what's that guy going to do? Yeah. So she gets in and she's really tired. She's been walking and hitchhiking for a long time. So she says, I'm, I'm trying to go back home to Las Vegas. He says, I'll give you, I'm going to Reno, but I'll give you a ride to Los Angeles, which is that, that right there. What? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Why? So she... Settles in and she falls asleep. Don't do it. Don't do it. She wakes up and they have gone east and not south. When she finally sees a sign, they're somewhere out in Patterson. They're somewhere out by Modesto. They're they're on the other side of the five. Um, there's a lot of for people not from here there's a lot especially in the 70s there's a lot of no man's land yes a lot of especially in the uh, Central Valley which is where he drove her out to it's just all empty rural farmland mm-hmm. roads little hills with an oak tree on top there's nothing mm-hmm. so she s- notices that they're going east she freaks out confronts him says what the hell are you doing he says I'm sorry I'm an honest man I made an honest honest mistake let me just turn around he pulls around he turns around Starts going down the road and he says, sorry, I have to go, I have to relieve myself. He pulls the van over. She's getting nervous. She realizes this is, this is now a bad situation. It's it's nighttime. He's down relieving himself and she looks down and realizes one of her shoes untied and she thinks to herself, if I have to run for some reason, and I could outrun this old fat guy, but if I have to do it, her, she's like, I got to tie my shoe. So she gets out of the van too. She bends over to tie her shoe and... She blacks out. He hit her in the head with a sledgehammer. She wakes up. She's tied up in the back of the van. After a sledgehammer hit, she wakes up. She wakes up. So he just conks her out. Yeah, she doesn't like, thank God she didn't die. When she wakes up, she's tied up and she's Uh, naked. Oh, fuck. And he starts raping her. He rapes her all night and into the morning. And the whole time, she's, of course, crying. She's 15 years old crying, whatever, and saying, just set me free. Please, I won't tell anyone. Just set me free. Sometime in the morning, when he's finally done, he pulls her out of the van, unties her, and says, you want to be set free? I'll set you free. Picks up a hatchet. No. Out of the back of the van. No. Cuts off her left arm. She's screaming below the elbow. She's screaming, freaking out. Going crazy. She grabs him Holy fuck. with her right arm, going, uh, freaking out. He takes the hatchet and he starts hacking off her right arm. What the fuck?
1: But this weird the craziest thing to me is as you're telling this, I'm like reminding myself that she
0: survived, but it doesn't fucking sound like I she's know, going to. I know. It's it's crazy. So she is holding on to him, but she falls backwards anyway. And that's when she realizes that her right hand has been her right arm has been chopped oh off. Oh
1: my god.
0: So she's all of course in total shock, confused, losing blood, looking. And this is the most fucked up part of her story. There's more fucked up than that. This is it go it peaks in fucked upness right here. Oh, holy shit. She sees him. She's looking and like she can't understand what just happened. And she's looking at him and he is flicking his arm like this. He's flicking his arm out. <gasps> yes. No. She looks And her right hand is still holding on to his arm.
1: Oh, my fucking. Ew, I just
0: got, I gave myself chills and I know this story. Because you
1: had your hand in like a claw just now. I did it.
0: So she passes out. Or she like kind of goes limp. Sure. She's bleeding, obviously, profusely. Losing blood, lightheaded, laying on the ground. So she just goes limp because she just doesn't know what to do. She's now in the presence of a monster. He thinks she's dying or dead. Yeah. He drags her body over to the railing and throws her over a 30-foot cliff. Mm. On the way down, she breaks four ribs, and he drives away. Now, later on, when the police catch him, which they I'll just let you off the hook now, the police catch, police catch him, and they put together that the reason he did that is because he thought she'd be dead, and they di- he didn't want them to be able to um, get her, her fingerprints. fingerprints. What? Did they... Okay. Who found her? How did they... she get found? I tell you now. Please. So she's down in this fucking ravine. And she's laying there. And she's losing blood like crazy. And she wants to go to sleep. But she said that there was a voice in her head saying, You cannot go to sleep. You have to get up so they can catch this guy. So she puts her bloody stumps in the dirt... And, the, and makes a mud pack. Oh.
1: So she stops
0: losing blood.
1: Oh my God. Uh-huh,
0: on both on both arms. And then she starts crawling back up the ravine. 30 feet. It takes her all night. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the morning. He dumped her over in the morning. Mm-hmm. So she crawls back up the ravine. It, it, it takes her all day. She finally gets up to the top of the ravine and back onto the road at night. And then she starts walking. Naked. Covered in blood, with two stump arms, she walked for three miles. Oh
1: my god!
0: The first car that came up was two dudes in a convertible, and they saw her no. and they fucking sped away. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And she said herself in this, "I survived." She goes, "I looked like something out of a horror movie." She's like, "I didn't blame them at all because she it it was I mean beyond something yeah. you'd see in a horror movie." Yeah and on an on a, a far yeah. away like a, a de- deserted road in the middle of the night where there's no this is out um where there's no street lights there's you're it like she said she was walking by the light of the moon it was totally and in my mind black. too
1: it's like these two dudes are married men and they're gay lovers and they're they, <laughs> they're like on a clandestine you know romance thing and if they stop to help her they have to call the cops they're gonna get caught together yep that's just in my head
0: that's like that's very plausible. So, like,
1: hopefully, these aren't monsters.
0: These the, I mean, uh, here's what I'm sure of: they carry it with them to oh, this day. Fuck.
1: Yes, Imagine they do. Imagine
0: leaving a person
1: like, and that. then they read the na- newspaper the next day, and, and they're they like, "Look what we did." And she could have died. They so, could have
0: saved her, and then she could have died. But here's who did save her. Who? She walks a little further. A couple who was on their honeymoon. Oh no, no, no. Who took the wrong exit? and is driving around trying to get back to the i5. Oh, which is close enough so that Mary heard the the noise of the wow. i5 all all day and was like I just have to get back up cuz there will be someone if I walk toward that sound. So that's how she guided herself back toward civilization. These these people grab her, put her in the back of the truck and say we're going to get you help. And she said she heard them speeding so fast you could hear the tire tires screeching. They get to a phone. Can I say real quick? Yes. What half the people listening that
1: the Murderinos? Yeah. Dream honeymoon.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like what else are you else can you going to do, fucking
0: play canasta? Well, because imagine you you're like, "Oh, I've married I love him so much. Yeah. He's the man for me." Now, if the man for you was one of those guys in that convertible right. who was like, "We have to get out of here," you'd be like, "You get out of my life forever." Yeah, I bet they're still together. Hundred percent. Yeah, they get her. They get to that payphone. They call and they airlift her to the hospital. Oh, you! Yeah, yeah. so it wasn't even an ambulance situation. They were like straight in. So, oh, honey, the, the relief she must have felt. Oh my god, to be in to be oh. saved. So, she. Sorry. I'm on the next page already. Um, cause you're, by the way, I don't want everyone to know you're like fucking telling this. You're not even looking at your notes. Like. Because this, uh, because I remember this happening when I was little. Holy shit. And my, I remember my mother being so livid and she would talk about Lawrence Singleton, this disgusting piece of shit. She would talk about him all the time. Well, cause I'll get into it. I have was to go fast. Was faster. all this, was all these, de- were all these details on the news? No, but it was, It was a man who raped a girl, chopped her arms off, and threw her into a ditch. That's enough. That was plenty. Yeah. Because you can't... That's when it was like, oh, my God, that could happen. Totally. That's real. Even the word rape. Like, you don't even talk about...
1: Like, couples in in fucking sitcoms didn't sleep in the same bed.
0: Right, exactly. Well, I'm not from the 50s, Georgia. Oh, my (laughs) God. I mean that the Brady Bunch was the... (laughs) So. Oh, my God. So she lost over half the blood in her body. Uh, But from her hospital bed, she described a picture of him so accurately to the police sketch artist that Lawrence Singleton's next door neighbor saw it (gasps) and immediately called the police. Even though she was friends with him and like knew him for years, she was like, that's Lawrence Singleton. That's my next door neighbor. She's one of us. So, yes, exactly. So, and I do have to say this in the article that I found that it a piece of information from for some reason in the line, it said housewife and bowling expert. <laughs> wow. I want they her life. Really, they really described her to a T. I really, anyway, I want that life. That's a, that's a pretty good life. Yeah. Um, so they arrest Larry single Lawrence Singleton. Nine days later, I like to call him Larry, Larry. Um, and when he was questioned, a Singleton told the police that Mary was a $10 whore that, um, that he was passed out drunk in his van and that his other friend, Larry is mm-hmm. the one that attacked her uh-huh. and that there were two other hookers in the van at the time. Um, what a fucking monster lunatic. So she testifies against him in court. Get a girl. Um, with two prosthetic, her two prosthetic limbs on, she'd already been fitted for them. She was wow. still a teenager. Um, I mean,
1: that's an, that is a hard thing to do on its own.
0: Now listen to this. As she walks out after testifying against him, oh, shit. he whispers to her, if it's the last thing I do, I'll finish the job.
1: Oh, I was hoping she'd say, motherfucker, or like something at him. No.
0: Oh, that no. poor girl. She ran out. So, in March of 1979, a San Diego jury convicts him of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation, and gives him the maximum sentence at the time... Can I guess? No. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just keep interrupting. No, no, no. Seven years? 14 years. For all of that, for all of those crimes combined, the maximum legal sentence was 14 years. That's... Like almost how old she was. Yes, that's exactly right. So um, the judge who had to pass that sentence said, If I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. Um, So along with the particularly gruesome and callous aspects of the crime, the case became totally notorious because he was paroled after serving eight years in prison. I just can't okay so this is when shit went off because that's when it started on the news every night this guy got paroled and it was like my parents talked about it people talked about it in the grocery store it was like how is this happening and you know what happened is in 1983 they passed a work incentive law kind of quietly passed it so that they could reduce prison overcrowding where a day was cut off your sentence for each day that the prisoner spent working at the jail.
1: Or you could make pot legal and get a bunch of fucking prisoners out of jail. Right, exa- that's exactly and right. And make the murderers and rapists go there for fucking ever. Why in
0: God's name would you have a work incentive law applied to m- attempted murderer rapists? Well, this was back when they were like, rape, and eh. it yeah. was probably her. She probably asked for it. She was yeah. probably a $10 whore. right, Motherfuckers. So uh, they announce that his release date this is uh, Ed Martin, who is the associate warden of the California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo, where he was um, uh, uh, serving his time. Uh, his release date, Martin said, if there's continued good behavior and work and no change in his programs will be approximately April 28th, which was eight years, four months um, of time. And... Every one of the barrier went bananas. So here's what happened. They try to parole him to Antioch, California, Mm -hmm. and the mayor protests, the department of corrections and, uh, so acknowledging the public outcry, the Department of Corrections agrees not to release Singleton in Antioch. So they try to place him with relatives in Tampa, Florida. The People rise up in Tampa, Florida and the Tampa chapter of the Guardian Angels, which was a big thing in the Whoa. 80s. Remember them? Yeah. Um, they lead these protests and eventually uh, Florida officials reject the proli. So if, they, he can't go back to t- Tampa now.
1: If you're, if fucking, if the Hells, what is it? Hells Angels?
0: No, the Guardian Angels. Oh, what are they? They were this, oh, they were. <laughs> I, thought they were th- I thought you meant the Hells Angels. Uh, hell's, it, they were basically, um, when the, in the 80s, when crime was crazy, it was basically at the end of the, um, recession, when things were kind of shitty. It was like back when New York was a total dump. The Guardian Angels were this group of basically, what do you call them? Like, uh. Like mothers against drunk driving type of thing? No, no, no. These were, uh, I can't think of the term for it. It was time, by the way. Like, we're not in any hurry. It well, it's just long, and I just want to get through the whole thing. But nobody. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, cocktails. Listen, (laughs) take your time. Everything's fine. No, but it was the. They were like, um, when you're like a citizen that's taking law Uh, into your own hands. What are those called? Like a
1: um, citizen (laughs) taking law (laughs) into your
0: hands. So they basically were like we're taking back the streets so they would go they wore red berets and shirts that said guardian angels they all knew karate they all they were all like muscled out dudes and they would ride the subway at night to make sure that like vigilante there it is (laughs) um they were they were total vigilantes and they basically were like their own gang but a positive gang so they just made sure like that people didn't get attacked on the subway and and Every city started popping up with their own um group of the guardian angels. Okay, I dig um, it. Um eventually, of course, they dispersed because I think they took things a little too far. Right. As it usually happens. Yeah. But anyway, they did they actually did some good stuff in the beginning where people there weren't there weren't enough cops yeah. and there was just a lot of crime. Yeah. So uh so he has to come back from Tampa, Florida, which is where his family was, but they Tampa was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Florida's kicking out. You're probably a big, pretty big piece of shit. <laughs> um, so then he, uh, where did he go? So then they try to release him in Martinez, California, and, the, and, which is also in Contra Costa County. So the Contra Costa, Contra Costa County Board of Supervisors and four city council members win a temporary restraining order from a superior court judge barring the Department of Corrections for placing Singleton anywhere in Contra Costa County. So they're like, quit bringing that motherfucker back here. He's not allowed. Yeah, ain't gonna happen. So, um, so now they try to place him in San Francisco, but, uh, police chief, police chief Frank Jordan at the time, he's, um, told that that they're going to bring Singleton to San Francisco for a couple weeks. And San Francisco um, wins a temporary restraining order barring him from San Francisco. So then uh, they take him to Redwood City secretly. But reporters find out that he's there in a hotel and protesters surround the hotel. And the Department of Corrections has to pull him out of this hotel um, and get him out before the protesters rip him apart.
1: What a bummer to be one of those cops and be like, I fucking hate this yeah, guy. Yeah, you don't want to protect that no. piece of shit.
0: So now um a, a court of appeals overturned that restraining order, saying that Contra Costa County and San Francisco couldn't have him there. So then they tried to place him in El Cerrito. But uh, which is not in Contra Costa County. That's a little bit further north, I think. But the Contra Costa County officials find out that they're going to try to place him in El Cerrito. And they tell the El Cerrito, they tell the press in El Cerrito. So then protests begin there. So basically now everyone's telling everybody they're trying to place this piece of shit in the North Bay And everybody, so then they try to put him in Richmond, but the mayor finds out and the officials are all like, fuck no, get him out of here. Um, Then they try to bring him to a a city called Rodeo, which I've never even heard of before. Um, Doesn't even exist. But people find out and a mob of 500 people gathers around this apartment and uh, they actually have to take him out in a bulletproof vest and he's escorted out of town by the sheriff's department. Holy shit. So, it was this is kind of that thing where yes, this is the kind of the worst story ever, but also the greatest story ever. We're like just the citizens were like no dude. Like maybe that maybe legislature says what that you can get out of jail, but yeah. we say no. So, they moved him to Concord, 175 people gather at the hotel where they're keeping him there. Finally, the governor says put a trailer on the grounds of San Quentin and he can live there until his parole is over. Love it, Jerry Brown? Uh George Duke Major. All right. Um so that's what he has to do. He has to live wow. on the grounds of San Quentin until his 1-year parole is up. Then he's free to go wherever yeah. he wants. <laughs> and they don't even they're not even a track. Yet. Well, then there's just kind of nothing they can do because nothing's in the system about him. Mm. So he goes back to Florida. Um and when he gets there, they find out that he's there. People protest. A car dealer offered him $5,000 to leave the state, <laughs> and a homemade bomb was detonated near um, the house that he was staying in, Even, th- but no one was injured, unfortunately. Palmer oh, In 1997, a neighbor calls the police after seeing L- Lawrence Singleton attacking a woman in his home, and when the police arrive, they find the body of 31-year-old Mother of three, Roxanne Hines. She's also a sex worker, but I wanted to say the mother of three part first so that people care.
1: Yeah. So that they know that she was so hard up for money.
0: That financial problems made it so that she had to do this. Right. And then uh, she got stabbed 12 times in the face and (gasps) chest by this piece of shit. And when he answered the door, he answered the door to the cops with his shirt open and blood all over his chest. How, so they. How many cold
1: cases are, can be attributed to him? Like, so, there's no way that it was one in
0: 78. No, well, they say that the reason that he got parole the way he, early like that was because he didn't have, he didn't have, um. Priors. A, yeah, he didn't have, which is not to say he didn't do anything, right. but that he didn't, he didn't have a record. Still, I think,
1: cutting off a girl's arms and leaving her for dead is like worse than your prior for like aggravated assault or whatever and
0: i think you're right it's not that's not a first crime no at all
1: especially when you're 60 you know like you're starting that you know
0: yeah no way yeah okay so mary vincent goes to tampa to, to uh Appear at his sentencing and tells her her. whole fucking story. She describes her whole attack, the whole, the, the toll that the ordeal has taken on her whole life because, of course, it's been, you know, a terror. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's gotten her life together a little bit, but of course, she just lives in constant fear. Sure. When she was, when he was paroled, like she was doing fine (laughs) and going to art school in the Pacific Northwest. Imagine. Then he got paroled and she fell apart. Of course. As he
1: said to her as she left the courtroom. Room, I'm going to finish this. If it
0: takes the rest of my life, I'll finish the job. Like, yeah, why isn't that considered when he's, when they, yeah. they think he's going out for parole? Yeah. So uh, the jury deliberated for one hour and he was sentenced to death because <laughs> good old Florida. Good. So um, unfortunately, he died of cancer in the prison hospital um, instead of being. Uh, fried, you know, we're very, we're being very vicious in this. We really um, are in this terrible? one, but uh, his apparently what he said in uh, when he was sentenced, he said he did he denied mutilating mary vincent he still denied it
1: not killing her just mutilating
0: her no 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 mary vincent is the girl whose arms he chopped off yes he denies doing that but he said about the stabbing of hayes i'm sorry about the death in this case i'll have to carry it on my conscience the rest of my life the death the death and the narcissistic move of this is sad for me on me the diane downs move um so just to wrap it Mary Vincent did win a $2.56 million civil judgment against Singleton, but she couldn't collect because he was unemployed in poor health and only had $200 in savings. Of course not. So she did eventually get married. She moved to Orange County. Um, She has two sons, and she started the Mary Vincent Foundation to help victims of traumatic crime. Oh, sweetie. Yeah.
1: Oh, that poor girl. Isn't it crazy that, like, she would have been better off stealing a car and getting a misdemeanor Mm -hmm. than then hitchhiking.
0: You can't trust old men that look like grandfathers.
1: (laughs) And here's another thing I was thinking about. Like when he, she had a bad feeling, he stopped to pee and get out of the car. The, The thing about that is, is like, if you have a bad feeling, do what you need to do and apologize for it later. Like, steal the car and drive the fuck off. Apologize later if it turns out he wasn't going to kill you. Right. Trust your gut. Yeah. If you have to blow some guy off at a bar because he's giving you the creeps, but you don't want to be rude, blow him off and apologize later if it turns out that he wasn't a creep. Because if
0: he's not a creep, it won't be a problem later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. I know. It's crazy. And if you want to see it, you can... You can watch on "I Survived." Mary Vincent tell that story herself. I might have to start watching that. The thing is about true crime shows is that I really don't like uh, reenactments. There's no reenactments. Oh, in this. okay. It's the people telling their story, and they do. They start the a segment with a picture of oh, where nice. it actually happened. Yeah. And it's all straight to camera storytelling. Okay. It's pretty brilliantly produced. I That's why that. I like it.
1: No, I did that. I could totally do that.
0: Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I know that was a big one. Yeah. Let's all take a a collective breath. Yeah.
1: Anyone needs to use the bathroom? Go use it now. Ugh, Karen, always one of my favorites. That, I remember hearing that and I had never heard that story before and I was just blown. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's, yeah. It was an it's, emotional ride hearing that story.
0: And that the, that the story is about the survivor, that the story, yeah. these stories, I think this is when I first started learning, being taught by our audience, how these stories are actually about the survivors or about the victims, the victims' families. Yeah. Mine's
1: a little different. This is um, from episode 105, which happened in January of 2018. So we were in the pod loft by then. (laughs) Uh, Right. And like, uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, And the (laughs) episode. I don't know. And the episode was called Proclensity. Which I still think A classic. is one of the best yeah. words I've ever made up in my life. Sure. I mean, you've made up some real doozies, but that one's pretty great. I stand by that one. Um, and so this is the story of Typhoid Mary, which is just so <laughs> bananas and so wild. And I just, you, you know. You can't believe it happened. And then you watch the Drunk History that came out later of it with yeah. fucking Betsy Sodaro playing Typhoid Mary brilliantly. Yep. That she is one <laughs> of my so favorite comic actors. So hilarious. She's so funny. So, so funny. Enjoy uh, Typhoid Mary, everyone. And oh, my God, turns out a global so pandemic totally. just <laughs> happened two years later. <laughs> Who knew? All right. My murder. OK, so. You know, I'm obsessed with fucking infectious diseases and yes. plagues and flu epidemics. Uh oh. You know, I love all this shit, right? Sure. And that's my passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Illness? Uh huh. Like end of days shit. Great. Level stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And right now, uh, the flu, right now in mid January 2018, the flu is already an epidemic. Yeah. This year, which is fun. I just got a, shot did you get a flu shot shot? Mm -hmm. oh good i think it's uh uh, irritated and i'm gonna die but anyways
0: well at least you will not have the flu when you die (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) so uh on that note because it's so fun i thought i would do uh you know our good friend uh typhoid mary nice okay here we go (laughs) in the summer of 1906 On Long Island's Oyster Bay. Have you been there? I haven't. I think they take one of those little trains. A jitney? A jitney to get there. Right I don't know 1906 Did Jitney Did they have cars (laughs) It was made of straw don't know Maybe a horse Jitney Um So Long Island's Oyster Bay Is the Tony playground Mm. Of New York's Rich and famous Teddy fucking Roosevelt None other than Had (laughs) his Summer White House There Oh It's all fucking Rich people Sure Um And uh, everyone freaks the fuck out when, in a span of just one week, six of the 11 people in the home of wealthy banker, also, he's the banker to the Vanderbilts even. Ooh. Charles Warren's household comes down with typhoid fever while they're there on vacation. Typhoid is a bacterial infection. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Okay. Due to Salmonella typhi. And it's viewed back then as a disease of the crowded slums and tenements, which we love to talk about. Yes. Um, in New York, it's associated with poverty, the lack of basic sanitation. Immigrants assumed to live in disease-ridden, crowded housing are scapegoats of typhoid. So when a rich fucking family gets it, it's bananas. Typhoid is one of the 20th century's most terrifying killers because an infection could spread through a house before anyone knew what was going on. Uh. The first week... Uh, the infection seems almost, you know, like just a regular flu. Then there's the fever, some abdominal cramping, but nothing really crazy to show that it's typhoid. And then during the second week, fever goes crazy. The patient becomes delirious. Blood clots form under the skin. The entire abdomen becomes distended. Ooh. The third week, uh, inflammation of the fucking brain and intestinal hemorrhaging, intestinal hemorrhaging, and the death rate of those infected is anywhere between one in 10 and three in 10. So it's really easily sp- spread by eating or drinking food or water contaminated with the feces. Of infected persons. So think about that in the 1900s, the early 1900s, Mm -mm. you know, when they didn't like wash their hands and stuff and like water wasn't, you know, cleaned and shit. (laughs) And they all lived in like houses and stuff that were all
0: you know yeah what that i mean that was back still when people would get up and just pee in a bowl under the bed right right. And right just like slosh it back under probably throw it out the window sure
1: where let's <laughs> is that when they threw stuff out the window throw the baby out with mm-hmm. the.
0: probably batman? i bet it i bet they did let's say yes but it, i like the idea that people would do it in rich houses just
1: well up. they didn't so that's the thing okay like They didn't, so it was really weird that this typhoid uh, was an outbreak in a rich house. So people were... That's why on Oyster Bay, they were like, this is a fucking... Something's wrong. Um, Not here. Not in my family. Not in my backyard. Right. Not in the Tony playground of the rich and famous. Hell no. No. In 1900, it killed 35,000 Americans. There's no cure. Antibiotics didn't exist. And a vaccine was not yet available. Horrifying. So scary. So the fa- Charles Warren's landlord was freaking out that the family outbreak would prevent him from leasing his summer house again. He thought they, they would burn it to the fucking ground because of typhoid. <laughs> so he's like, fuck the shit. He hires freelance sanitary engineer George Soper. A freelance sanitary engineer. Dr. George Soper. Okay. Which is like, you sound fun at parties. You right? sound like a you have a made-up job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he uh, He's called a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's like, he investigates sources of typhoid fever outbreaks to determine the cause. Like, he's the dude who House? Is like, Dr. House? Do- he's fucking House. He's like, come over to the, my house. Figure <laughs> out what happened here. Okay. Like, why is everyone sick? He's the dude who figures it out. Like, what was his name again? Uh, George Soper. Dr. George Soper. Okay. So, he's like, um, he's like, what's his name? The uh, detective. Columbo? <laughs> Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Can you edit that? <laughs> you can leave that part in he's like the colombo sherlock holmes <laughs> of uh diseases okay okay of i was gonna say diarrhea Di- what <laughs> stop it we don't use that word no Please. we do use that word <laughs> so everything so Soper tests everything he's like super excited about gross stuff apparently he tests the house plumbing local shellfish company everything comes up negative for typhoid but then he looks into the cook who had worked for the warrens weeks before the outbreak and discovered that a female irish cook um who fit the description of uh of Oh, a cook who had, had worked in other households where typhoid had broke, da- broke, <laughs> no, <laughs> broke, broke out, broke out, no, broken out in out? the past, uh, that she had worked there right before everyone fell ill of typhoid um, and had also just cooked for the
0: Warrens. So I don't know why you'd hire an a Irish cook. <laughs> <laughs> we can't fucking cook. It's Apparently all pot she was roast and it. like red potatoes. Yeah,
1: but I think that. Back then, they liked the simplicity of it all.
0: Oh, man. Such a bummer.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: I that. sounds fucking uh,
1: amazing to me. That's all I want is pot roast and red potatoes. Are you serious? With some horseradish. Yes. What about
0: jello with c- fruit cocktail floating inside of it? Fruit cocktail? Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, my grandma's special. What did she put on it? Thousand Island no! dressing. <laughs>
1: yes. Okay, a hard stop. That's, uh,. <laughs> And iceberg lettuce. No, that's Irish cooking, I want, my friends. Do you know what I want? I want iceberg lettuce with Thousand Island, and I want Jello with fruit
0: cocktail. I don't want them to meet each other. Well, sorry, my grandma <laughs> says you have to, and that's my job to make it happen. <laughs>
1: and you have to finish it.
0: <laughs> you do.
1: I, I mean, fair enough. She, maybe that's she maybe forces that was... us to
0: eat spinach as tiny babies and very Ugh. few of us have ever broken a bone spinach but you fucking twist her ankle all the goddamn time I roll it but it don't break
1: <laughs> <laughs> grandma okay grandma he was okay so we can't find her because she left after the after every outbreak begins she fucking later's out of there and doesn't give a forwarding address Soper learns of an active outbreak in a penthouse on Park Avenue where two of the household servants were hospitalized and the young daughter of the family had died of typhoid Oh no And she dis- and he discovers Sober discovers That the family cook Was the same woman Who had cooked For the other families It's 40 year old Irish immigrant Mary Mallon
0: Ugh Mary Wash your hands Mary There we go oh. What are you doing Mary <laughs> and What does she say And she says, ah, I just need to start the soup with my hand real quick. I can't do it. (laughs) No, you're going to do
1: it. this whole fucking story. We need it. Okay, Soper starts stalking Mary Mallon and tells her and he tells her she's transmitting disease and death by her job. But he sounds very bad at like telling people things (laughs) and explaining in a calm, like, you know, self-possessed manner to an Irish immigrant probably because he had some prejudices <laughs> against Irish people. So do you think he was like too nervous to tell her or he was like screaming at I her? I think he was screaming in her face this thing of yeah, I'm transmitting disease and death and she's this like Irish immigrant is like F- what are you talking about? Ah ach. Um so he didn't explain to her how she, as a woman who was perfectly healthy, could be infecting others with typhoid. He attempted to get... And then and then he goes on to attempt to get samples of Mary's feces, urine, and blood. I think just by yelling in her face that he needs samples of her feces, urine, and blood. Jesus, Mary
0: and Joseph, man, get away
1: from me. <laughs> yeah. Not surprisingly, this just pissed Mary off. And one time she chased him away with a large kitchen fork when he tried to come get her feces. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't know. That's my Irish. Get out of here.
0: Get out of it. Get out of the kitchen now. Yeah. You always have to start way high yeah. and
1: then go down okay. really low. Okay. Since Mary refused to give samples, he decided to compile a five-year history of her employment. Ooh. He found that Of the eight families that had hired Mary Mallon as a cook, members of seven of those families claimed to have contracted typhoid fever, even though Mary had never shown signs of the ailment. And with this, Soper becomes the first author to describe uh, a healthy carrier of salvanilla typhi in the United States. So the person who can carry it never get ill by it, but pass it on to other people. So she's basically immune to this thing she has. But she has it and is giving it to everybody uh-huh. else. And Horrifying. she and part of her argument is like, "Well, I'm fucking fine. It can't yeah. be me giving it to anyone, right?" So also, and let me use my whole arm as right. a stirring and spoon. I just want to stir this fucking stew. I
0: just want to touch the bottom of the pan, <laughs> right, with my fingernail. Let I me t-
1: put this under my fingernails and put it into the stew.
0: What's the big deal? What is the problem? My fingernail ladle,
1: right? Without washing my hands. Okay, let me tell you about Mary. Mary Mallon was born in September of 1869 in Cooks County, Cookston County, Tyrone, Cookston, let's call it, (laughs) Uh, a small village in the north of Ireland that was among one of Ireland's poorest areas. She immigrated to the United States in 1883 at the age of 15. Uh, Her aunt and uncle, who she had been living with, died. So she was living in Swaller Swallowed housing in the Lower East Side, fending for herself. She found work uh, as a domestic servant, and apparently her proclensity in the kitchen led her to be a cook, so... She was somehow For what in the kitchen? I don't know. I copied and pasted a Sorry. word that I never use. Proclensity. Propensity? Clensity. <laughs> Co- <laughs> clensity. That's a word. I don't think it is. Oh, shit. Hold on. I refuse. <laughs> I copied and pasted it. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: That sounded so good, and I was gonna. I it kind of was like a oh. like the combination Broke. of propensity and declension, Broke. but I'm almost positive. When your
1: your search propensity did not match any <laughs> search. <laughs> Her propensity is that right? Well, I'm never copying and pasting from Wikipedia again. The that's grammar's not true. odd,
0: so it's not. There's no.
2: Yeah, there's no. It's propensity, okay. or that's the like it. The correction, the correct.
1: Oh yeah, they maybe they just the correct word you. is propensity. Fuck! All right, I'm not editing that out because this is who I am. (laughs) I'm gonna fucking show. Sometimes (laughs) we get words wrong. It's okay. My (laughs) Proclenston in the kitchen. (laughs) It sounds like Proclenston sounds like a like for men who are losing their hair, like a shampoo. Take mint Proclenston every night. Right. Okay. In 1900, she worked in Mamoronic, New York. Heard of it? Nope. Where, within two weeks of her employment, residents developed typhoid fever. In 1901, she moved to Manhattan, where members of the family whom she worked for, developed fevers and diarrhea. That's a bummer to have at the ding, same ding. time. Yeah, right? that's horrible. You don't know what's happening and you have diarrhea. Right. Jesus. The laundress died there. Oh, no. Whose name they don't mention anywhere, which is like, listen, she's someone too. That's right. Um, And then Mary Mallon goes on to work for a lawyer. She left after seven of the eight people in that household became ill. She fucking... Later's. Uh, Why does and she keep leaving, though? I don't if know. She
0: thinks she's so innocent.
1: Well, it's so it's hard to tell because it's like, did she leave because everyone got sick and so the house stood still and they didn't need anyone, or what? Did Isn't she that know when you need help the most? It's true. Chicken soup doesn't cook itself. Yeah, stir that's itself. right. <laughs> Chicken <laughs> soup, <laughs> soup doesn't use itself its up own those stairs yeah. to stir itself. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Okay. Chicken soup can't stir itself without an arm, <laughs> and it can't walk upstairs exactly. So. Mm
1: -mm -mm Okay, so then in 1906, she goes to Oyster Bay, and within two weeks, 10 of the 11 family members are hospitalized with typhoid, changes job again, same thing happens, cooks for the Warren, same thing happens, blah, blah, blah. Okay, doctors theorize that Mary Mellon likely passed typhoid germs by failing to vigorously scrub her hands before handling food. Um usually the elevated temperatures of cooking food would have killed all the f- germs and bacteria and shit but then they found out that mary Mallon's um like most popular dish her specialty her specialty was ice cream that she cut up raw peaches into and froze so nothing had gotten cooked oh and can you imagine those wet fucking peaches with her little like cutting knife (laughs) under and all the nail
0: (laughs) under her nail stuff. As she's cutting peaches, she's also cutting a little bit of her finger along with it. Oh, God. She had a real perquensity for cutting up her own flesh. (laughs) I can't believe I got that word wrong.
1: Uh, (laughs) Okay, the New York Health the New York City Health Department finally they try to get her to chill the fuck out and she won't finally they send position
0: She won't
1: she's like fuck you and everyone must cook yeah she's like an angry an angry woman she had to fight for her uh like her life livelihood she didn't yeah, have anybody nobody it reminds so i just started watching alias grace which you had talked about liking and it reminds me of like she came over on a ship and that fucking in that nature of absolute bullshit and she's like fuck you I'm working to like live my own life
0: I mean it's those the ship journey alone Uh, so upsetting uh, for most people coming to this country traumatizing just horrifying and then they show up and then it's like I hope you have a job yeah good luck with that yeah also you
1: don't wash your hands enough yeah that's what are you talking about
0: you know what that reminds me of real quick yeah when I lived in Scotland there was a commercial that was on like UK TV, and it was, are you a washer or a walker? And it was just a, can it was pretend camera, like hidden camera in a bathroom <gasps> to see if people walked up, checked their face and walked away, or washed their hands and walked no. away. And since that commercial, I think before that I was very like, nah, who cares, one way or the other. Yeah. I know if I need to wash my hands right. or not. Since that commercial, I've oh, I wash my hands every single time, you no just matter. Can't
1: what. trust doorknobs. You just can't trust door handles. You just should wash your hands as
0: much as possible.
1: And I do. I mean, yeah. don't go out of your fucking mind. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> but like, do your best. Don't be a walker. That's you all know, I'm saying. My dad, every, he won't sit down at, we'll go to lunch anywhere. He had just gone out of his car. He hasn't touched anything. He won't, he's kind of has OCD though, but he'll go wash his hands before, like every time you can't even start talking to him oh He'll wow go wash his hands i wonder if
0: that's like if his p- parents were really strict about that like before eating yeah maybe it's a good idea every yeah. once in a while i'll look at my hands especially when i was wearing cheap jeans oh no when you there's nothing worse than having yeah. dirty hands as an adult at like a meal there's it's nothing so worse than like
1: putting a food thing into your mouth and being like when was the last time i washed my hands <laughs> <laughs> that's my fucking thing of like and then you, huh. there's only so many times you can go Well I'm, I'm strengthening my immune system right. No most of the time you're not You're just putting someone else's fucking Urine hands <laughs> in your fucking Mouth and I mean, from the doorknob Okay so New York City Health Department Sends in physician Sarah Josephine Baker to talk to Mary. So (laughs) The singer? (laughs) Yeah, right? Almost. (laughs) That would be amazing. At night, she was this amazing dancer. Hey, hands up. gross. (laughs) That's not good. Baker said that by the time she was, she said, quote, By that time, she was convinced that the law was only persecuting her when she had done nothing wrong. So Mary was like, hardcore, fuck you. Yeah. Um, We're like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Baker's. So this chick, Sarah Josephine Baker, her own father and brother had died of typhoid when she was young, and so she had felt pressure to support her mother and sister financially. So at sixteen years old, she decided on a career in medicine. Wow. And this and this is like the early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds. This chick is a badass motherfucker in her own right, and people should fucking study her, etc. For Feminist reasons she's fucking awesome Um, So she goes uh, To find Mary Mallon And with her help The New York City Health Department Takes Mary into custody in 1907 And places her into forced Confinement inside a bungalow On 16 acre North Brother Island Off the Bronx Shore So if you live in Manhattan or been in Manhattan you see a fucking Island over there like Ooh. off the shore that you can like see. It's almost like Alcatraz in San Francisco. Right. So all the only thing, only companion she has, and tell me if this doesn't sound amazing. She's in confinement. And all she has is a fox terrier. And you're like, <laughs> living the life. Can I please? So wait, I think I'm
0: in that confinement right now. <laughs> you put yourself <laughs> in Mary Mallon's fucking confinement. We're all all Irish women are <laughs> doomed to live the life of Mary Mallon. <laughs> It just repeats itself. Damn it. Okay, so she it's
1: at so they on this brother island was the Riverside Hospital, which is where she's at. It's founded in the 1850s as a smallpox hospital to treat and isolate victims of that disease. So they just fucking put them on this tiny island outside of Manhattan. And you can see Manhattan and you're like, oh Mountain, well, I want that. And they're uh, like, No, you're sick. Too bad. Um it eventually expands to other quarantinable diseases like leprosy and venereal diseases so they just like later people onto that island
0: did they really yeah so you get you get some venereal disease and then yeah so like go
1: stay here until you're oh in the same room with all the other people with venereal diseases yeah that sounds like a party i mean (laughs) those are the people that party yeah um a lot of great
0: personalities in that room i bet i mean i'm sure okay
1: with her forced confinement Mary, Mallon, everyone, the media goes fucking nuts because this woman has been spreading this disease and killing people with it. So media goes nuts. Eventually in 1908, in the Journal of American Medical Association, she is nicknamed Typhoid Mary. Mm. So that's where she gets her name.
0: So the professionals really <laughs> <laughs> they
1: came just, in to shit on yeah, her. Yeah, they were doing top notch journalism. All right. like, your Good type. job, everybody. <laughs> um... So, so it turns out Mary Mallon is immune to the disease herself. She's the first person in the United States identified as an asymptomatic carrier of the pathogen, which is pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. While in custody, Mary Mallon, Typhoid Mary, let's call her, admits to poor hygiene. She's like, oh. yeah, what of it, motherfuckers? Oh, say it, no. say it, in my Irish. <laughs> ah. ah.
0: I can't say. (laughs) That was was all you just say (laughs) Who cares? Jesus, Mary and Joseph, there's other things to worry about. Exactly.
1: There's people starving in my country. (laughs) She said she did not understand the purpose of hand washing because she (gasps) did not pose a risk. Girl, Girl, you're the cook. You're the cook. You pose a risk. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. Uh, they Authorities are like, let's get rid of your gallbladder Because that's where they believe the typhoid bacteria resided in And she was like, fuck no, fuck you I don't even have the disease And she wasn't willing to cease working as a cook, too So they're like, we'll let you go, just don't work as a cook And she's like, nope, I now won't wash my hands Go fuck yourself ah!
0: Fight, 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 fight. Fight, 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 Mary, fight We're so angry, <laughs> it doesn't make sense Irish women, Irish women, fight, fight, fight <laughs> And then a herky.
1: Herky! <laughs> she uh, is forced to give 163 samples of various bodily substances to the doctors there, 120 of which tested positive for the bacteria. <laughs> she was teeming with this T- disease. To the, to the hilt, to, to, the the, the, to the gills. To the gills. To the gills. So Mary stays there for three years until test results from a private laboratory. Yes, I said that. <laughs> came up negative for typhoid. Um, and with this information in nineteen oh nine, Mary sues the health department for her freedom, but everyone's like, Where'd she get the money to sue the health department? And and then and then it's like a secret thing that maybe William Randolph Hearst was like, Well, give me the money if you give me like an interview. So like he was like springing people so genius. Yeah, so smart. But the New York Supreme Court's like, Go fuck yourself. No. But then in nineteen ten, there's a new health commissioner. He lets her go if she promises never to work as a cook again. And she's like, Okay, great. She's like, fine, I didn't like it that much anyway. Yeah. Um, so in February of 1910, uh, Mary agreed that she was, quote, prepared to change her occupation and would give assurance by affidavit that she would, upon her release, take such hygienic precautions as would protect those with whom she came in contact from infection. Meaning, wash your fucking hands. I'll wash my fucking hands. No, I just, I felt like I wanted to defend, but there's, like, it's an indefensible. Go ahead. Eat not Some people don't think it, some people think what, that her being locked up is indefensible.
0: No, she killed a ton of people because she refused to. Wa- she wouldn't. It's like she wouldn't give in anything. Right. Where it's like, okay, well, if you're the cook, you have to admit hand washing is kind of key. I realize it was that was kind yeah. of a new idea back then, but yeah. still. Well, the thing is, <clears throat> so she thought they were all out to get her. <clears throat> all this shit.
1: You're like decades later. They're like, well, if she had typhoid her whole life, maybe it fucked her brain up a little bit, and she was paranoid yeah. and crazy. Ooh, yeah. But wait. It gets worse. Okay. Okay. So they let her out. They lose track of her. Goodbye. (laughs) Mm, Bad idea. Cut to five years later in 1915, a typhoid outbreak uh, happens at Manhattan's Sloan Maternity Hospital Mm -mm. struck 25 workers and killed two of those workers. When Soper, our friend George Soper's back He looks into the outbreak And he's like, this looks fucking familiar Oh no Traces it back to the cook, who's an Irish woman Named Mary Brown this time She changed Ah. her name Ah. She found a
0: good man
1: Ah. (laughs) Nope, Ah. Nope. she changed her name so she could become a cook Like she was doing it (laughs) Now, Now she's responsible for it now she's being a dick you know what i mean yeah Yeah. now it's criminal i think um it's mary mallon blah 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 turns out she changed her name and during her years of release she had cooked in hotels restaurants and institutions wow so she was like she'd gotten they'd given her a job as a laundress you make no fucking money it's really hard work doesn't smell good doesn't smell good she was like fuck this shit and went to cook wherever she worked there were outbreaks of typhoid However, she changed jobs so frequently, so she had eluded the blame. She's captured and again confined to North Brother Island where she continued to refuse to acknowledge that she had any connection between... Uh, herself in the typhoid cases. Well, at that
0: point, it's so stacked up against her that she might as well just do that because she's so guilty that the second she breaks it's over. Yeah,
1: exactly. So after the the second apprehension, she spends the next 23 years of her life as a prisoner in forced isolation. Uh, oh. Hundreds, if not thousands, of asymptomatic carriers who had been identified were allowed to walk the streets of New York freely. But Typhoid Mary lived alone in exile, partly due because the public were fucking pissed at her because she wouldn't stay out of the kitchen. Like, if she had just not gone back to cooking. Yes.
0: That second time around. Exactly. She, I mean, I didn't, it's sad that she lived in isolation. Yeah, But you, why are you being so stubborn yeah calm down karen (laughs) uh-oh oh Oh, karen's having feet then you just my face just starts to fall apart (laughs) i don't i don't want to do it it just comes out of me your typhoid tears just start running off your face the devil inside me (laughs) he's so bad
1: um state of the kitchen on november 11 1938 uh Mary Mallon dies of pneumonia at age 69, still in captivity. An autopsy found evidence of live ty- ty- typhoid <laughs> typhoid bacteria in her gallbladder. So it she they could were right. Have, yeah, they were right. Um her body's cremated and her ashes were buried at St. Raymond's Cemetery in the Bronx. So Mary Mallon, uh, it's thought that she infected 51 people and three of those illnesses re- resulted in death. And that's based on uh George Soper's you know, looking into it, but she, she used so many aliases that it's thought that she, the true death toll could have been way fucking higher. <laughs> um, some estimated that she had made it have caused 50 fatalities, which I just saw that in a random article. So I don't know if that's even true. Historians say she contaminated at least 122 people and killed five, which sounds a little more likely. So crazy though. Yeah. So throughout the 20th century, uh, Typhoid fever steadily declines due to introduction of vaccinations and improvements in public sanitation and hygiene, aka wash your fucking hands. <laughs> um, and today typhoid fever is considered a rare condition among developed countries. Uh, rate is approximately five cases per million per year. Uh, ask your fucking brother Island and Riverside Hospital real quick, this fucking island of disease off the yes. manhattan sounds amazing it right sounds amazing the island has been abandoned since 1963 after it was a detention it was last a detention facility for juvenile drug offenders in 1963 how badly do you wish you could go and just sit on the wall and like stare at people there
0: start? you know there's some blacklight posters in that building <sighs> that you know there's some people out there who have stories of like they were like yeah well, because you know my mom working in the mental. She worked at a hospital called Langley Porter in San Francisco. Uh-huh. It's up on the hill, yeah. Kind of. And um, and people in the sixties used to send their kids. They got caught smoking pot one time. No, they sent their kids to the mental hospital. Jesus Christ. So she said they were in this in the like mid m- to late sixties. All these kids. There was like an influx of kids who are like they're incorrigible and they're drug addicts. Yeah. Where they had only done like smoked yeah. one joint or, or just whatever. Like, we're
1: saying no to things exactly. And it was they, like but a they way were housed people. with people who are legitimately in need of mental mental health help issues. And I'm sure those kids were like, "Well, I'm never doing anything bad again." Yes, so the shit that they saw, like, yeah. yeah, or they were like, I don't know. She yeah. just said it was it's, really sad and bummed her out a lot. It's clearly complicated. Yeah, so these kids got sent there in 1963. Finally, it closed. It's now uninhabited and designated as a bird sanctuary. (gasps) But wait, it's illegal for anyone to go on the island without permission from the city. All the buildings, though, still fucking stand. And these photographers sometimes go on there and take photos. And you can see a bunch of the photos. We should put them up on Instagram of these gorgeous... Like brick buildings that are falling into disrepair, and you can see the rooms where Mary Mallon was fucking housed, and you can see the typhoid wing, and you can see the fucking crematorium, and it's like, it's insanely gorgeous. I am asking any murderino who works for the city of Manhattan to please (laughs) let me and Karen come see the fucking (laughs) island. Come and get a
0: disease of our own
1: for ourselves. And since it's like, Under, you know, under watch And you, it's really hard to get on there Everything is still there So like people haven't graffitied And people haven't stolen shit from the island
0: That's amazing
1: You need to see the photos Everything is covered in wildlife It's gorgeous Oh, I want to see that It's amazing Um,
0: It sounds like the island they threatened to send Or that they promised to send Dr. Lecter to Mm -hmm. In Silence of the Lambs Mm. That ends up to be that They were like When she recites that thing You are a lad to walk on the beach every day whatever can
1: read i want to read that it's so good <laughs> it's so do it good. again
0: <laughs> and
1: you will be allowed one you will be
0: allowed one <laughs> <laughs> walk on, uh one day a year where you can walk freely on the beach oh, right. with armed guards or right, whatever right. snipers oh god i don't know if she heart. didn't know it was fake either i know oh. my friend um my friend Amy, who you met when we were in uh, Wisconsin, uh-huh. she she has Sans Lambs memorized. I love that. I've watched it with her, and she'll just say the line real quick before. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> oh, I love it. You will be allowed to walk. She'd be able to do that speech right off the right off the dome. It's so
1: good. I, know, I love oh, it. Oh, these domes. <laughs> um... Okay, it's illegal, blah, 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 uh, but you can still see the, the building, the room where typhoid Mary spent the last 23 years of her life. What was she doing there? Oh, man, she was bummed. But it sound, it's just like there's varying accounts where it's like some say she was like actually helping out there and like a maid. And some say that she was just like in seclusion and they abandoned her and used her as like a look at typhoid Mary. You know, when people would come to the island. Yeah. It's like that kind of thing. So you don't really know. I hope there was a fox terrier.
0: <laughs> I not so. know, Yeah.
1: And then... uh I also want to mention there's a podcast if you're into this shit like I am. There's a podcast that's kind of new. It's hosted by two these two young ladies who are grad students in disease ecology. Ooh. It's called This Podcast Will Kill You. <laughs> and it's just about infectious diseases from history and every yes. episode is that and these these two girls are named they're both named Erin are like it's
0: just an awesome podcast. This That's podcast great. will kill you. Yeah. So this podcast will kill you. <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> I like to imagine that Typhoid Mary sat in seclusion in her room on that island and and fantasize of all the different things she'd like to put her hand in. So then, like, <laughs> she'd be like, corn chowder or whatever. <laughs> and then just, like, mashed potatoes. And then B- both hands, the fantasy is just, like, both bare arms yeah. go all the way
1: in. And then, like, she cleans her fingernails in the chowder. Yes. I, I wonder if she, like, requested, like, m- cooking magazines and, like, read recipes <laughs> and was like, stick stick your arm completely in. She'd be like, this looks good, but you know what it needs? My arm, my arm, my fingernail clippings. It's not funny. People,
0: don't. it's
1: disgusting. <laughs> it's terrible. But, but isn't that amazing? It's like, a, it's
0: incredible. Yeah. Also, the idea. This. Did you watch the Nick when it was on? Yeah, and they have
1: an, uh, uh There's an episode involving her. I watched the little the little um
0: scene where they uh, they and yes, where they confront her. Yeah, they, yeah. It's that was such a good show, and they did that around Small. She was good. She was great. But they did that where they would take those things out of history and be like, this is what, where you don't have any sense, like things before modern medicine and modern stuff. It's just the weirdest idea where they'd be like somebody coming in, they'd be like, well, we tried to stick a tube in their arm and then they died like the end. Or (laughs) it's just, it was so crazy precarious back The
1: Nick is such a great show. It's, I love that uh, show. I, Yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, you should definitely watch it. It
0: was great. Also, if you've ever taken cocaine <laughs> to the point where it was a problem for you, I warn. Trigger warning. Huge cocaine trigger warning for the Nick. Opium too. you like, I could be a doctor and do coke all the time. <laughs> yeah. No. Maybe you're into opium dens too. Trigger warning. <laughs> trigger so warning if Knick. you love to lay back with a bunch of people dressed in a traditional Chinese garb <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then
1: this will be hard for you to get through. It's gonna make you nuts. But if you love surgery without gloves or anesthesia, ah, oh. this is
0: the show for you. What a show! <laughs> or Clive Owen, right? Um, that was great. Thank you. That was fun. I love to learn. I love. I love teaching. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I love saying words wrong I love teaching (laughs) I love to learn I love to lie I love to make up new words I love to just have fun with it Just say shit that, and you know, don't have any uh, Proclensity
0: uh, for caring I mean, I have a real Proclensity to just say what I want and I think we all do. There's a freedom in that. <laughs> in these proclensities we all have. In this proclensious time, there's a freedom. <laughs> it's so, the funniest thing about Typhoid Mary is she, um, she had a real problem with cleans- cleansliness Shit! <laughs> no, I love it. It was a fucking
1: valiant effort. I tried, but you could see me. Ooh. You could see me making that U turn from miles you, away. Would you have made that attempt two years ago before this podcast? Absolutely not. No, not at all. And so I'm, I applaud real
0: you. bias against puns, as you know. And so I applaud you. And uh no, I think it's the effect that we that you have on my life. I'm I'm making you
1: stupider. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking down those pun walls. I am stupidering you, <laughs> hard. You know, real hard. Yep. Well, great job, uh, 2018 Georgia. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, 2020 Karen.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember hearing that in, in back then and being so shocked. Like the details of that story are so much more ridiculous than you even think yeah. they are. It's kind of insane. Uh, the just the storyline of that of her and that it's just spread this spread one of person, it's one person's fucking
1: refusal to see reality and yeah. refusal to fucking take responsibility for themselves that kills people and like changes the course of history because they won't just simply
0: wash wear them, a mask wear- wash wait, oh <laughs> wait what what sorry what are we talking oh, about Jesus. anymore Oh Jesus <laughs> um, Alright
1: should we wrap it up with some Fucking hoorays? Let's do it and then uh, also make sure to stay tuned For the tenfold more wicked Preview after the fucking hoorays
0: This first one is from Precious.goregrind Goregrind. <laughs> Uh and it says, My fucking pray is that after I lost my job and insurance due to COVID, I was not too quietly freaking out. I'm a type one diabetic and was very close to running out of the two insulins I take daily because it would have cost me literally thousands out of pocket. I decided to ask the world of Facebook and Instagram if anyone had any to spare. A sweet baby angel came to the rescue and was able to provide me with enough insulin to last several months. I can't say thank Thank you enough to that kind stranger for helping me quite literally stay alive. That's incredible. I That's wish beautiful. Our world wasn't our country wasn't like that, but it's incredible. Seems like we need uh healthcare Seems for like everybody. Everyone deserves it. Yeah, I think everyone does deserve
1: it. And um, this is from Instagram. It's from Katie B. Click. My fucking right is that after Hurricane Zeta threw a tree on top of our house, totaling our car and barely missing our little girl's bedroom window, our neighbors and friends fully restored our faith in humanity. A neighbor we hardly know found us huddled in the basement and drove us out to grab breakfast. A murderina from across the country sent us a DoorDash gift card and another sent us groceries through Instacart. Neighbors have offered their cars and helping hands. And even though a tree falling on our home is totally on brand for 2020, yeah. I am so damn thankful for the people holding hands, metaphorically anyway, and helping one another through it. Damn. Beautiful.
0: Fucking rough. Love year. it. Yeah. Love it. I know. It's, it's really nice to hear those stories yeah. and to, and to feel that kind of like when people are given an opportunity, they will help other people out. Totally. I, I think it's an important—it's it, an important storyline that uh, doesn't make anybody any money mm-hmm. to talk about yeah. these days. But it should happen much more. Yeah. Um, okay, this one's from Bethany.is.killing.it. dot killing dot it. My fucking hooray is actually a follow-up. Earlier this year, I sent in a fucking hooray about. <laughs> I don't know if we read the other one I I just love that It's like don't worry about it I'll do (laughs) both now Earlier this year I sent in a fucking hurry About how I had been selected To become a naval officer Well just last week I graduated from Officer candidate school I am now the first officer Ever in my family's Long history of serving In the military I've also had many sailors From throughout my 10 year Enlisted career Reach out and express Their excitement I hope to use my influence To help my sailors and like i said months back <laughs> i think bethany, we did do this one i think we did <laughs> okay well here's the update <laughs> great um i hope i can con- continue to show all of my sailors that a woman can kill it in this career Hell congratulations yeah. bethany way
1: to go keep kicking ass way to go and thank you Represent. for your service yes yes okay this one is from lisa horton 76 I have a bittersweet foster care fucking hooray for you. Mostly sweet. My husband, daughter, and I got to be a foster family for the best baby ever. And during the 14 months we had him, his dad was able to make some huge life changes, including getting sober and get to a place where he was able to care for his son again. So we recently had to say goodbye to our boy, which was so hard, but also so sweet and inspiring to see this man who has had a very hard life completely turn his life around for his son. We are still very close, and he facetimes us at bedtime every night, so we can tell our boy we love him. It's a major success story, and even though we didn't get to keep our favorite boy forever, fucking hooray that we got to be part of such a beautiful process. If anyone oh. out there has ever considered being a foster parent, now is the perfect time. Oh, isn't that touching? beautiful? Yes, that's lovely. Yeah, I can't. I what an amazing. What an amazing thing to do.
0: Um, I guess I, j- I just have one. I mean, one thing to say, yeah. and it's just um, on Halloween this year. Uh, my very good friend Patty Riley died of cancer, and you guys might know her because uh, she is my roommate from college, my friend from high school. I've told tons of stories about her on this show, and um, she was battling cancer for a while, um, and it seemed like she was going to be okay, and she just took a very sudden turn. And I guess I just want to say, first of all, I haven't really processed it in any real way because it happened really fast. Um, but I know a lot of stuff is going on in the world right now. And everybody is stressed and freaked out. And there's tons of anxiety and whatever. Um, but you are alive. And you're lucky. And... Patty was the kind of person who made sure every day that she impacted the people around her, whether it was her, her two boys, her family, her good friends, which she had tons of. She, she really, really cared about being a good person. She's also one of the funniest people I've ever known, but she, her whole goal in life was to just always really be caring toward other people. So, as much as her death feels like, uh, just a complete injustice and, a, and it, and it's such an intense loss. Um, the way she lived was such an amazing example of how you can be. And it's, um, it's something that's always impressed me and has always inspired me. So I just wanted to say that, uh, we'll miss you, Patty. Um, it's, it, your death is a huge, huge loss to so many people. Thank you, Karen.
1: That's beautiful. I'm, I'm 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 so sorry for her family and for you and the world and who doesn't get to know her.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's dealing with so much stuff right now. Mm-hmm. It just feels like then on top of that, one regular. It's you know, tragic life events happen. It's just like, it's just, it can be so overwhelming, yeah. but I think it's important that everybody just kind of, you know, is grateful. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do, I guess is what I should be saying Yeah, is I'm trying to focus on the positive. I'm trying to be grateful for what I have, which is so, so much. And, um, and I'm trying to, you know, it's, I don't know. Be a better person. I think we all are. Yeah. And it's it's noble in and of itself. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. To
1: Patty. To Patty. Well, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for being here. We hope we hope and we hope you hope too. Yeah. (laughs) We have so much hope. (laughs) Um,
0: Despite it all, there's (sighs) just still hope. There is. And with that, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you
2: want a cookie? Ah, Okay. Let me tell you this story. In upstate New York, there's this little village called Dryden. And for centuries, the people there have welcomed strangers into their churches and into their homes. It used to be one of those places where everyone in town was invited to a wedding. So it was a really close, really trusting community. In 1842, a stranger arrived. He was a handsome, charming, brilliant scholar named Edward Ruloff. He found work with a local farming family, a very prominent family. Their home was always open to anybody that needed a place to stay or passersby, you know. They were just that kind of people. But something about Edward Ruloff was just troubling. He was arrogant, he was snide, and he was sometimes really cruel. And he was absolutely obsessed with his own academic research.
1: He seems like what you would call an incredible narcissist. He's
2: very hostile to people who don't appreciate his own genius. He seduced the family's teenage daughter. And from the very beginning, their relationship was unstable Their fights were vicious, and then they were deadly. There's a story about him taking her away and her turning around and waving, and that's the last memory like her mother and some of them had of her. It was a terrible tragedy. It's not that we hadn't had murders here, but not a murder like that. Edward Ruloff killed at least five more people over the next 25 years. Now, this is the beginning of the time when railroads make it possible to move around. It was not particularly uncommon for people to carry on double lives. People fall for the snake oil salesman. They actually enjoy the snake oil salesman. He had everybody fooled for a long time. Sort of like a Ted Bundy. He's confusing to me, and he was the boogeyman in upstate New York. He's not confusing to me. He's a psychopath. When Ruloff was caught, it seemed like he would finally be punished. But that's not what happened. Scholars and scientists jumped to his defense. Ruloff claimed that he had made this groundbreaking discovery in the field of linguistics. And a lot of people believed him. They argued that his mind was just too valuable to waste on the gallows. Yeah, if there was a kind of uh, magical key to understanding these languages, and that would have made a lot of people's lives a lot easier. Would his brain really save his life? Are there some ideas so astounding, some minds so brilliant, that they should allow a killer to get away with murder? People really think
1: that the brain can justify behavior. And this is totally mistaken.
2: Edward Ruloff's brutal crimes and his incredible brain would make history by marking the birth of modern neuroscience. This is just a a world-changing difference in how we think about brains. It's right up there with understanding evolution. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, and this is Tenfold More Wicked, a podcast about the most intelligent killer in American history. Tenfold More Wicked premieres on Monday, November 23rd on Exactly Right. Subscribe now on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen.